see, if you're listening to this right now, please contact me. I will help you out with this campaign. Dude. Welcome to Pino and Policy, the favorite podcast for people who like to get drunk and talk about, well, policy. Uh, you haven't heard from us for a while, but in the spirit of a new year, a new election, and new memes, we're here to talk to you about the best candidate for president yet, Mr. Michael Bloomberg. I'm joined today with Sophia and Hannah, as usual. I'm your host, Drake, and we're here to get drunk and talk about the end of the meme cycle. How's it going, folks? I know it's a big question. What is this meme cycle? I'm sure. So, as you may or may not be aware, may, depending on whether you watch cable television or are a boomer and watch a lot of ads, this guy named <laughs> Michael Bloomberg has paid hundreds of millions of dollars to be on every single piece of media possible so that you can think that he would make a good president. He started with the boomers doing hundreds of hours of television and ads, but then he thought, why? I need to go after millennials. And he did this very novel thing where he harnessed the power of meme magic. Now, meme magic was something that the Trump administration, or the Trump campaign, rather, utilized in 2016, but that was all grassroots. They didn't have to pay anybody for it. Just a lot of alt-writers on 4chan who just really thought Donald Trump would be fun. But Bloomberg was smart enough to hire a firm known as Meme 2020, also known as Fuck Jerry or Jerry Media, the guys behind stealing every cool meme and posting it on Instagram, and also the guys behind the Firefest documentary. Yeah, those guys. And they have crafted a brilliant idea. Mr. Michael Bloomberg, pay us money, pay millennials money, and we'll make memes about you. And therefore, you will be popular. I, I think one of my favorites so far <laughs> is this picture of a direct message from Mike Bloomberg on Instagram to the Grape Juice Boys. And it says, hello, Juice Boys. Can you post an original meme to make me look cool for the Democratic primary? Response from the Juice Boys. I don't think so, TBH. Your vibe is kind of off. Response from Bloomberg. I put Lamborghini doors on the Escalade. (laughs) Response from the Juice Boys. What? (laughs) It's the power of, hey, I'm so relatable by the lack of my relatability. It, like, really just turns the model on its head in a way that, like, everyone said that Bernie Sanders was turning the model on its head in 2016 when he got a bunch of people on Reddit or wherever to be like, we want this grumpy old man to be, like, our surrogate grandpa and, like, do cool things, you know, socialism, whatever. But then you get this guy who's using his unlikableness as a medium for just general, like, name recognition Yep. It's so weird. And the b- most bizarre part, it's like, it's it's really underlying the fact that name recognition is like way more salient of a factor, I think, than, than modern day political pundits give it. Because in, in the era of Trump or whatever, we were, we're all like, oh, it's about likability. It's about favorability. It's about this, that, and the other. And it's like, those things matter for sure. But, you know, whether you've heard of Mike Bloomberg or not, or whether you've heard of Pete Buttigieg or not, or list any candidate here, you know, that's, like, pretty important. And if he has decent memes, well, you know. <laughs> decent if you like weird, nihilist, self-referential nonsense that doesn't make any sense. Hey, I uh, do. Yeah. <laughs> one of, Excuse one you. Of the descriptions, Speak for yourself. Well, here's the deal. One of the descriptions is that they want, that Mike Bloomberg wanted to develop a, quote, 
self-aware ironic character around Bloomberg. Wait, what? what? Like, what does that even mean? Well, let's be honest. That's basically any interesting media personality at this point in the memosphere. You know, like, of course. I mean, he realizes nobody likes him, so you might as well just buy into it. I mean, part of the, the, the fun Sanders memes are that he's a crotchety old man. He's a socialist. I feel like this entire electoral season is just different writers of Rick and Morty trying to outright each other, and it's getting really <laughs> weird. We do live in the dankest timeline. I've said That's it many hilarious. a time. I just, I just want you both to know that the first note that I wrote down for this podcast episode reads, it screams corporate cringiness, brought to you by the worst bros on the internet. Well, well think of it this way. Like, there is, this, is, this is the natural um, next step of corporate um, meme culture. For the past couple of years, corporations have been all cool and hip on Twitter and other things, where instead of just trying to advertise to people like Don Draper trying to make you, you know, buy happiness, instead they're like, hey, let's have Wendy's be interesting on Twitter and clap back at the haters or whatever. Brands are trying to sell themselves as, well, not friends per se, but that person who sends you memes and you, you know, make a like emoji to it. I just also want to note the novelty of, like, how memes have come so far. They went from this like very obscure, like mostly 4chan situation to going down in history. It will be forever remembered that presidential elections, that campaigns turned to memes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, here's, a, here's where I get to pull on my I go to graduate school hat. Oh, um, God. Okay. <laughs> so... Uh, last semester, I sat in on a lecture for a class that I didn't end up actually enrolling in. Um, oh, but <laughs> but the, the first lecture was interesting. And I, I do actually help to enroll in this class. And basically, the intro lecture was talking about, like, what is a meme? What is or is not a meme? And <laughs> this is... Uh, this argument was forwarded by one of like the preeminent scholars on like media ma- ma- media manipulation meme scholars <laughs> yeah truly media manipulation disinformation and that kind of thing and uh-huh. she said that memes like as we know them obviously are like somewhat a new concept but they've technically been around for like as long as political chants have been around as long as like political cartoons have been around like anything I mean, that's like a catchy thing that can be manipulated and then spread that that technically counts somebody. as a meme yeah, I mean, I, I was reading a book this weekend, *Sapiens*, um, and it was talking about how memes and memetics, like a meme's just a unit of culture that can spread easily and quickly. It's like a virus, mm-hmm. and like back in the day, a meme might just be like, "Oh, Jesus Christ is God, re- you know, incarnated in human flesh and form," right? And that's an idea. It spreads very quickly, and everybody's mm-hmm. like, "Cool, heaven." This time, it's like the idea is that you know, Mike Bloomberg is fun we and we've also are you wait like, did you just say that mike bloomberg is secretly jesus no but <laughs> he's definitely trying to seem like the messiah for you know bloomberg democrats so you know i saw this horrible <laughs> this horrible tweet on on twitter you know where you see tweets generally speaking <laughs> yeah. uh yes, that read yeah. that <laughs> read something to the effect of my dad is on the bloomberg biden fence and i don't think i've ever felt uh, like felt so unrelated like unrelatable to him like it was just like who who is this voter i mean that that voter is the the core voting populace i mean it's very easy when you live on twitter or reddit or instagram or wherever those fucking zoomers live i don't uh, tiktok where where do the youth oh, live we were talking about tiktok yesterday and about how well at least i don't even know what that is yeah i, I feel so it's the old. replacement to vine videos but i found out about last night that there's also a replacement to vine 
that's a replacement to TikTok called Byte, which was Is created. it also owned by the Chinese government? No, it's, it's actually uh, meant to be a fight against the communist government. It's created by the original creator of Vine. Oh. In a funny twist of fate, it's called Byte, which, funnily enough, the Chinese overlord of TikTok is called Byte Dance. So it's kind of, you know, giving them the finger right there. Interesting. Yeah. So Byte anyway. Dance? No, no, no. Byte Dance is what owns TikTok. And Byte Dance is a Chinese company. Oh. The competitor, oh, oh. the new competitor to Byte Dance is called Byte. That's funny. <laughs> so I feel like we're getting a little bit off track here, Drake. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say to circle back to what we were talking about, these um, ideas that spread through culture. We have decided to put this word on it called memes. Mm. And I just looked this up, and mind you, this is from Wikipedia, so don't check my sources. Um, the word meme is a shortening uh, of mimema, um, which is a- ancient Greek, which means to imitate. Ooh. Yeah, like like mimesis, like my, mimicry. Yeah. Oh shit! There it is. Coined by British evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins in *The Selfish Gene*, 1976. Cool. Yep. Interesting. And here we are now. So it, it it means imitated thing, which is also kind of funny, but very accurate. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, I I remember back in when I was a youngster, all we had were rage comics and dumb image macros but now memes transcend time and space and <laughs> i guess you know and now bernie you can see bernie's face on just about anything yeah because of how changeable that meme is and I yeah think memes have also like you know it gets this gets back to like the democratization of the means of production um yeah uh-huh uh, somewhere distantly, Karl Marx just started spinning in his grave. But um, <laughs> what's wild about like the dissemination of the internet and cheap tools for editing and changing things is that anybody can make something now. Mm-hmm. You know, political cartoons like you were saying, Sophia, that used to be like the domain of the elite to a certain degree, the literate, the people who kept up with the times and were artistic enough and also had the money to pay for people to and make jokes about it. Were witty and could read yeah. <laughs> and could read and were special and blah 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 blah. Now any Tom, Dick, and Harry can just make a meme, whether it's good or not, about yeah. anything they want. Spread it to the masses. Yeah, which usually, you know, in the 90s sensibility, or hell, the early, well, the early 2010s, we thought was a good thing. Every could spread their ideas and things would be great. But little did we know, the meme magic would be co-opted by the bad guys. And the yeah. bad guys was the right, but the badder guys, one could argue, is capitalism. Because at first it was just alt-right, like, you know, fucking nerds hanging out making weird memes on 4chan. Now, it's centrist Democrats who are paying millions of dollars <laughs> to use the system with lame, like, hello fellow kids mm-hmm. memes. Who yeah. ever thought that memes would generate millions of dollars worth of spending? Honest to God, like if you told me in like <laughs> freshman year of college yeah. that, hey Drake, eight years from now, Wait, we were freshmen eight years ago? No, we, no, you and I were freshmen seven years ago. Drake was a freshman six years ago. No, okay. it was eight years ago, dude. Uh, no, because no. I entered no, my ago, freshman year. Ago. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. <laughs> the point is, it was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, no, the point <laughs> is, um, times have changed. The irony about all this is that Bloomberg, Bloomberg spending his millions on this was effective enough to get him on a debate stage and people know about him. But it doesn't change the fundamentals of his campaign and that he's probably gonna implode. We all saw the travesty that was, you know, the latest debate right before the Nevada um, 
primary, and it yeah. was terrible. And Ew, oh, I so enjoyed watching Elizabeth Warren just eviscerate him on that stage. Oh, it was so satisfying. Oh. I did not get a chance to watch it, unfortunately. You should just go back and watch the highlights. To anyone, to anyone listening, just go back and watch the highlights. It's so good. It was probably one of the spiciest debates I've seen in a long time. And the best part was that, you know, Elizabeth Warren had his head on a pike like 20 minutes in. It was very fun. Oh, she no, she had it in like the first thing that anybody said. She just like laid into him. It was great. Nice. Uh, I don't know if you can tell, but there's no love lost, be- uh, no love lost between me and Mike Bloomberg. It's mainly because he hasn't paid us. He hasn't, and honestly, I don't think I want to be paid by him. Sorry. Well, I'm sorry Although, you have standards. <laughs> well, to, for what it's worth, so Drake mentioned that these candidates, and it's not just Bloomberg, and we'll get to that in a second, but Bloomberg is is paying millions of dollars for this service, right? In a one New York Times article that we read in preparation for this, it cited that uh, he was offering influencers $150 to create content. And I don't know what that means in terms of like individual memes or what, but that's a lot of money, even for like, you know, just a handful of memes. That's like a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, like, one of my favorite things to do is to chat up people at networking events, and after they're a little bit drunk, they like to brag. And marketers are the best for this. Um, there's one guy talking about uh, some fashion brand. I don't really pay attention to it. It's on Instagram. But the point is, is that one of the biggest ROI um, investments you can right now is in influencers. So traditional ad marketing, apparently, like, you know, the Don Draper, like, let's hire an ad agency and spend millions of dollars on a cable ad is far less effective than, yo, let's give Kylie Jenner $50,000 to make a post. And, oh, by the way, now we got tons of engagement. And the thing is, we're seeing this, like, writ large, that, yeah, you can, you know, make a ton of cable ads, but if you can get memes out there, it's cheap, it's scalable, and people listen to it. So, Mm -hmm. the irony is, once again, this democratization of the means of information production and reception. And, unfortunately, I think it's, like, one could argue that it's neither good nor bad, but we're seeing it being used by someone very rich that we don't very much like. But the problem is, you know, I'm not sure if... uh, how would I put it? Maybe we may not like Bloomberg doing it, but if he doesn't do it, who will? Like, or <laughs> like the other guys are going to pick up on it soon enough too. It's yeah. not like you can put this horse back in the barn. No, you, you can't. You know, the like, cat is out of the bag. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think memes themselves are necessarily what the issue is. Honestly, it's more of like the targeted ads, the disinformation. You know, the the manipulation of of viewers like most basal like most basal um psychological tendencies that's that's more what i take an issue with because like people are going to make means no matter what like especially when you have a society where we have one basically like uninhibited access to the internet and also this handy thing called the first amendment Mm -hmm. um like it's just it's it's whatever like having a discussion like are the memes good or the memes bad ultimately it's irrelevant it's more of like what do you do with the darker sides of this entire debacle mm-hmm. well it also tells us that like most democrats aren't prepared to fight dirty but guys who were republicans for most of his life and then turned democrat just because he didn't like trump cough bloomberg does know how to play like that's the thing that gets me is um i, I heard this turn of phrase uh, a couple weeks ago that Democrats may be right, but we're holistically bad at politics. And what I mean, no, seriously, is what I mean by that is, you know, we're better at tearing ourselves apart and trying to hold ourselves to these things called higher standards. 
and morality instead of winning. Meanwhile, the supposedly moral party of family values doesn't give a shit about that, but hey, they get to win. (laughs) And in theory, the logic goes, they get to put in their policies, such as, I don't know, pro-life or whatever. And so one thing I can kind of respect, I, I hate to say it, is that Bloomberg is doing something a Republican would do. And it's smart. I mean, hell, it's basically just copying what Trump did writ large. And I don't see why we shouldn't do it. I mean, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> makes me wonder, like, what took you so long? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> come on, guys. I mean, you know, like, because one of the things is I, at first I was appalled. Oh, no, he's buying memes and having Twitter accounts that are bots or whatever. That's terrible. And I was like, wait, how is that really different than, you know, being mad about, like, an advertisement or something else? Or for that matter, most of the things we get is branded content anyway. It's just a politician's doing it that you don't particularly like. You know, if, like Bernie Sanders is like has benefited that a lot of the meme culture around him has been supposedly grassroots. I mean, the Bernie Bros four or five years ago kind of proved this. You mean this. he didn't have to pay people to make him look cool? Yeah, because we all just like him. But could you imagine what happened if you had Bloomberg kind of dollars behind somebody we already liked? But Bernie would never do that. That's the problem. Oh, wait, but wait. Do you want to hear an interesting fact? Oh, please. So you know that meme that got spread out or spread around a few days ago that's like, I am once again asking for your financial support or whatever, <laughs> wow. you know? Wow. <laughs> that was great. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that meme got picked up and spread around by a number of influencer accounts, the same influencer accounts that Michael Bloomberg is paying to spread his memes. But did Bernie pay them to do it? Or did they I'm not sure. I'd have to look into that. But like, it is an economy. It is an economy. Hell, I mean, these people just care about what what sells. So, like, Bloomberg had to sell it to them. But if this was a natural meme that was popular anyway, it behooves them to spread it, too. Mm -hmm. But it is spooky. I mean, it's also kind of weird that we, like, there's this whole Instagram subculture um, of Instagram, like, meme pages that are essentially just taking memes that they found from elsewhere. They're literally just stealing content. Right. I mean, that's what makes it a meme in part. Right. And the thing is, is it essentially serves as curation. Mm-hmm. People follow meme pages so they don't have to, you know, go through all the, 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 the sea of terrible memes. I mean, the irony is we've destroyed all of our gatekeepers and anybody can post anything anywhere. But then we realized we needed, we needed new geek, gatekeepers. And those gatekeepers are on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, at white people humor, one of the most popular meme pages out there. And at fuck Jerry. Or worse one. yet. Mike's or Mark Zuckerberg, just just Mark Zuckerberg in general as a gatekeeper. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sort of. I mean, he's the one well, who controls these platforms, the right? Is you know, this is I hate to say this. Like, I'm actually going to give Mark P. Mark some credit here. Um, the actual gatekeeper is Twitter CEO, which I'm forgetting his name right now, but he's Jack bit, Dorsey, that guy. Now he's the kind of guy who's you know hashtag woke, so we can get people to like him. Marky Mark here. Stands he used to be things. quote unquote woke once once upon a time. Right, Marky Mark, the Zuck himself, he he actually has fewer gates. Like he's just ready to let everything go through, and you know, which sucks. But unlike like Twitter is arbitrary. Twitter says, oh, we're not going to have political ads. We're not going to do X, Y, and Z. That's them gatekeeping for you. Facebook's like, no, nah, you can put whatever whatever you want. Just pay us. Mm-hmm. And it's a marketplace of ideas. We believe in John Stuart Mill and those basic ideas of free speech. If you don't believe me, you can listen to the re- latest recording of Facebook's earnings call a couple weeks ago where he literally said this out in like six paragraphs of, you know, oral performance where he's like, hey, guys, we care about freedom of speech here at Facebook, even if it makes us unpopular. Now, the Wokosphere on Twitter says, oh, no, that's because he's either 
doesn't care about marginalized voices or he's in the pocket of rich people or whatever. But from my perspective, he's actually just being honest and sometimes being honest to your beliefs is inconvenient for the left and our side because it means that the bad guys also get to say stuff too. And that, oh, by the way, we can't gatekeep the things we don't want to hear. I mean, that's a broader conversation in general, but it's ironic that oftentimes we talk about like the bad guys saying things, right? Mm-hmm. We shouldn't have them in our spaces. But that's also coming from the assumption that what we have to say is 100% correct and right, and we know for a fact those things are bad. And we should have somebody else take it away from people. And so the irony is that, like, turning it on its head, you have guys like Bloomberg who technically supports our kind of policies, but we don't like what he has to say because he's not doing about it the right way, not the way that we feel is right. Mm-hmm. But he's just utilizing the, the avenues already available to him. I don't know. Something to think about. You know, Bernie 2020 or whatever. <laughs> For the record, Arbiter does not officially endorse any political candidate. We Dude, might I'm be all about Marianne Williamson. Oh like, man, I'm we might be raking Mikey might be raking Mike Bloomberg here through the mud, but you know, whatever. It's not her official. Dude, what? Marianne Williamson, I'm all about her for president. She's fantastic. Okay. Oh my goodness. She uses crystals to divine the future. She's my favorite. Okay. What is it? Like every year, uh, Mickey Mouse gets like a certain number of votes. Let me see. Um, how many votes did Mickey Mouse get in 2018? Google search. Let's find out. I like how we started talking about Marianne Williamson and then started talking about another fictional character named Mickey Mouse. <laughs> ha. Ha. Wait, what? She's implying Marianne Williamson doesn't exist. Oh. More like she's just a. She's so bizarre, she should be fake. It's one of those situations where you like you can't make this up and reality is often stranger than fiction. <laughs> reality I mean, is often to be perfectly honest, Donald Trump doesn't even make sense, so and he's No, he's he doesn't real. and yet his fan base, i.e. the Republican Party, just drinks the Kool-Aid. Honestly, like I obviously detest the Republican Party and anyone who supports it in this day and age because it's not a gr- good group of people. But I am so like impressed like at how they're willing to just pony up and drink the Kool-Aid, you know? Mm-hmm. It's remarkable. It's like, wow, you have to really overcome any value and or like critical hey. thought you might have had once upon a time. But then there's the Mormons. Uh, the Mormons. Mitt Romney. You know, if Mitt Romney could somehow pers- pursue Utah to vote like the entire state of Utah to swing third party. I would I would so bow down to that man. I'd be like, you are not the hero we want, but the hero we deserve. Mitt Romney really does have Harvey Dent vibes. I can see that. Harvey Dent pre you know getting his face melted off. Yeah, that, that that's that's kind of implied. Um, you know, what's actually was so funny too is like the, the the long reach of history here. I remember back in the day when we used to castigate Mitt Romney for being a rich guy who doesn't care about America and its values and its binders of women and blah 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 blah. Kind of looks kind of quaint now when you think about it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, do you guys want to play a play a fun game? Please. Sure. Okay, so it's sort of a would you rather situation. Okay. Would you rather? Continue to roll the dice with whatever Democratic candidate rolls up on top of the Democratic nomination and see maybe if that beats Trump, maybe doesn't. Or would you rather like like put Mitt Romney in the White House knowing that he would for sure beat Donald Trump? Um, the latter. Co- I mean, my follow up question. What's the composition of the Senate in the House? Uh, see, there it is. 
Now, if it's a Democratic Senate and House and we have Mitt Romney in office, I don't care. Let's say for sure at least Democratic House because the Democrats have the House right now. I'd be okay with it. With the, with the current situation of a Democratic House but a Republican Senate? Yeah. I mean, we get no le- legislation passed, but at the very least a guy in the office is in a complete nincompoop. I would not, yeah, if we somehow lost the House and, like, in this absurd situation in which Mitt Romney is somehow the President of the United States. Plot twist. <laughs> oh, plot twist. Man, I shouldn't say these things out loud. They'll become true. Um, but uh, when Mitt Romney becomes president of the United States, but then there's a Republican House and a Republican Senate, and they're overriding the vetoes on the terrible legislation that they've passed. And it's Mitt Romney who is like our last defense of democracy. I didn't know you were writing Mitt Romney fan fiction. <laughs> no, I'm not, because in that situation, he's like his vetoes are getting overridden, you know. But like, wow. I'm hey, at least to... I can still envision a timeline darker than this one. I'm still trying to figure out how many votes there were for Mickey Mouse in 2016. Hannah's asking the real questions. Okay. I thought it was 2018. It doesn't matter. Time is a relative concept. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think. You know, the, the broader the broader interesting thing here is that the, I mean, every four years, how we do elections is changes up, you know? It's not like you just used to have, like, a debate or whatever. Like, every single election, there's a new technology that shakes things up. So I, I would caution against some people I've read online freaking out that this is the end of a modern democracy because, oh, no, someone's buying ads or memes. I mean, people used to bitch and moan about how, like, there were televised debates in the 60s, and that took away the purity of their oration. And one could argue part of the reason why Nixon lost is that he looked terrible on television. I'm serious. That's a legitimate argument When versus uh, JFK. So, like, this is just another form of that. It's not to make it good or bad, but it's the forward march of progress, everybody. And this progress is with dank memes being paid for it. <laughs> it's good. It also, I mean, it signals that... Our institutions of voting and election and all of that are at least acknowledging the reality that we're living in mm. as people and as younger people. Uh, because memes are, I mean, memes, <laughs> memes are a large part of our lives. Let's they be really honest. are. Like, that's how that's how we make friends. That's how we flirt. That's how we just like deal with our existential despair. Mm-hmm. It's kind of great. Yeah, it's how we like relate to other people and situations going on. Like, like the crossover on the Bernie meme, um, where they replaced uh, financial support with, um, I'm once again asking uh, if I can hit your jewel, <laughs> you know, <Nice>. like <laughs> bringing up that, like large, like, <laughs> wow, man, those zoomers and their jewels. Oh man. Don't even get me started. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast topic zoomers. that like, I don't even, I'm like, huh. I don't even know if I would want to record on that because, like, I don't need the Gen Z calling for my blood. <laughs> I don't know. They're not that scary. They don't go outside their bedrooms. They just are on TikTok all the time and talking about e-boys and e-girls. Um, yeah, it's, it is amazing that we've somehow managed. I thought we were the agoraphobic generation. No, no. <laughs> they are. They are, they, yeah. It's, it's kind of great. They're also, like, the anime generation. Like, Hannah and I, we went down a rabbit hole yesterday <laughs> learning about what e-boys and e-girls are oh man and visco girls and it's like i've never what's a older. disco girl no visco v-s-c-o pronounced visco 
B-S-C-O? Yeah. So there's, like, here's the thing. So you know how... It's vowels, you know? Virtual, virtual sexy cat something? Um, that's Elon Musk's latest girlfriend. Thank you very much. <laughs> Her no. name is Grimes, okay? <laughs> and they're having a kid, which is wild. I uh, feel so bad for their child. Oh, God. Oh. That's a, that's a, but no, but let's back up here about generational stuff here. So, get this, all right? So, when we were, like, youngsters, there were scene kids and, you know, emo yeah. kids, right? But they were really cool. They were we, we made fun of them even at that time. E-boys and e-girls, as I learned as of 24 hours ago, are like a thing on Instagram because this agoraphobic generation doesn't do anything except hang out online. Not that it's bad. It's their social thing. Like, you know, Craig was talking to us about, for audience, Craig's a cool dude. Um, <laughs> Craig is Hannah's brother-in-law for more context. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he made this point where, like, for them, that's actually more socialization than we do. So, like, if you're a streamer on, like, Twitch or TikTok or you're, you're posting your makeup tutorial as an e-girl or e-boy on Instagram and you're getting likes and people commenting on that is more social interaction, in theory, than a couple of us having a couple beers and playing, you know, Settlers of Catan. I mean, you certainly, like, get more people watching than if you were, what was it that Craig said, to go down to the park and do a makeup tutorial? Yeah, exactly. Although, I don't know, people might still stare. (laughs) True. But what's wild about this is so they're getting their, their social fix, but it's maybe not as intimate or, you know, emotionally fulfilling as us millennials get, I guess, which is a weird thought to say. But what's Again, wild, I thought we were the agoraphobic anti-social generation. It, so, and what's wild, too, is that, like, it's basically a generation that grew up on, like, anime, YouTube makeup tutorials, and way too much socialization on social media. So, like, And jewel juice. And jewel juice. So I was literally looking through these pictures yesterday with Hannah, Robert, and Craig, and, like, they just look different. It, it's, it's weird. They all look like anime characters. And well, it's... I have noticed that, like, when I was walking, when I was a paralegal back once upon a time yesteryear, um, I would go downtown, I would work downtown, and I would walk around downtown, and there was a mall downtown, and, you know, the youth still, somehow, in in 2020, hang out at the mall on occasion. I guess. And I would see these Gen Z girls who were, like, maybe 15 or 16, and I was, like, when I was 15 and 16, I was all knees and elbows and, like, awkward, I had braces, like... I, I, I like would get startled if I looked in the mirror, you know, and then you see these girls that look like they're supermodels and it's just like, how? It's YouTube makeup tutorials. Like, think about it, like, think about it this way. Like, if you're a girl in like the 90s or really any time before YouTube makeup tutorials, how the fuck were you supposed to learn how to look that way? In like social context, like yeah, maybe your mom taught you some stuff, but like I just had a brilliant idea. Hit me. Every single campaign manager should hire me. Makeup tutorials. <gasps> oh my god! Can you imagine how much viewership AOC oh would get god. if she released her own makeup tutorial? Dude. Oh wait, AOC, if you're listening to this right now, please contact me. I will help you out with this campaign. <laughs> Dude, no, but like that's the thing is that like so like YouTube is watched more by Z's than anything else. Like. And it's, it's wild, too, also, like, this this could be a subject to another, com- like, podcast. It's, like, how femininity has, first of all, is more diffuse than ever. Like, there's e-boys who they wear makeup and have, like, painted nails and stuff. Like, when I was in college, painted nails just meant, like, you had a girlfriend who wanted you to look cool and go Or you off. were a bassist in a band and didn't have a girlfriend, but were trying to have a girlfriend. Exactly. Um, but now, let's just guess that's what they do. And what's wild is, like... 
when I was in college, right, um, I remember being in high school and, like, yeah, girls wore makeup and whatever, but it was, like, 2000s makeup. It wasn't, like, it's not like what they have, the kids have today, you know? Um, Hannah nodded, so I felt validated. <laughs> and, but then when I went to college, like, and mind you, we all went to private school and it was all, you know, hippy-dippy, but, like, girls suddenly stopped wearing makeup or it was very minimal, right? And that was just pretty much the normal. And, like, there was this running joke among my guy friends that, like, when you would go home for, like, you know, Christmas break or whatever, and you entered the wild again, you're like, what are these strange creatures called women? Because they just look different. <laughs> right. And then I, I mean, you missed the memo that the dream of the 90s is alive in Portland, and that includes on the Lewis and Clark campus, where we think that makeup is, is from the devil himself. <laughs> right. So here's the crazy part. It's changed. So I noticed this a little bit. My senior year when the freshman class came in, I'm like, wait, they have eyeliner now? That's a little weird. What's going on? Mm-hmm. But um, verified this with... Um, Hannah's younger brother um, and I also verified this with my sister as well who they're both juniors in college and the freshmen these days tons of makeup they're super woke and whatever it's no longer like seen as oppressive to a certain degree or restrictive instead it's a new form of expressing femininity in a positive lens I suppose and so now yeah. all of a sudden they're all wearing makeup and doing all these kind of crazy stuff and they all look like they're from anime mm-hmm. man how times change first they burned the bras then they started wearing them and then they call them bralettes who's to say <laughs> it's true things go through phases fashion politics whatever else I yeah. guess and politics needs it's just or is trying to harness those phases although like we were saying I don't think memes are a phase like no they're more of a memes have been around since the beginning of time we're just describing them differently right yeah and, then, and now they have photos with them most of the time yeah I mean yeah it, I mean a broader thing that's kind of wild too is you know I, I, this is a lot of inside baseball but what's wild is all this is only possible because of insane technological advances that have only occurred in the past decade mm-hmm. like zoom back to like 1960 and if you told, like, JFK, okay, so 1959, and during his campaign, like, hey, dude, let's get, let's, let's take pictures of you. Post them so people can see them in their pockets at all times, and you're going to be relatable to them, mm-hmm. right? And then they're going to like it. And then, oh, by the way, they're going to make jokes about you, but they're endearing jokes. And they're going to be sent around millions of minutes, and people are going to live stream you. And, of course, he's going to ask you in his funny accent what a live stream is. Like, it would just be seen as completely ludicrous. Yet now, we have all these phones in our pockets, and we can do that. And what's really going to be wild is when we have 5G, and you can instantly upload, like, you know, super fast and have crazy videos and... I mean, the future is now, and it's only going to get weirder. Yeah, but but they like also back then you'd have to use the newspaper oh God. to spread it. It wouldn't make sense. No, right? it just it just wouldn't. I mean, who even puts in newspaper ads anymore? I mean, although it is kind of funny that the first thing that comes up when I put in political memes on Google is a meme of George Bush. Oh, that's great! What's it say? <laughs> That face you make when in a few short days you'll no longer be the worst president in American history. Oh, oh man. Oh, that's that's a boomer meme right there. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, remember that like weird period of American history not all that long ago when we were like low-key romanticizing the George W. Bush administration? That was weird. <laughs> I mean, we still kind of are. Like, we still kind of do, but like, like if you stop to think about it for any longer than five seconds, you're like, yeah, that was still pretty bad. Like, I mean, is yeah. it better than today? Maybe. Like, as long as you're not a civilian in Iraq. I mean, like, actually, you could probably argue that the Bush administration probably had more respect to for rules and norms, but in terms of damage done, Trump administration really hasn't done that much. 
Like we'll yeah. see. The lasting its lasting damage could could perhaps be in worse. the terms of norms, but in material impacts, like yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking like climate change and all of the environmental oh, oh, policies more, and whatever right, else that or, we've rolled you know, back. If you're those poor children in fucking cages or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, but, but like when it comes to like serious foreign policy blunders like Iraq. Eh. Well, eh. we'll see. I, I hope I hope not. Um, I mean, we've got we've got here's the here's the crazy part. I still have distinct memories of election night. Like election nights oh. become kind of like new 9-11 for a lot of people. <laughs> we all No, we like like. You know, you ask people, like, where were you in 9-11? They usually give you an answer unless they're a fucking Zoomer, right? Man, I was drinking a margarita Dude, my I, friends. We I was in a so dive bar. We, we were, wa- like, slow, slow but certain, like, you know, accept it, accepting the grief of it all. Somebody brought in a therapy dog. It was beautiful. There was crying. We were going to drink more margaritas anyway, but we were we had planned to drink them in celebration. Instead, we just drank them in sadness. Dude, and the best part, though, was, like... Um, getting in the Uber and the Uber guy was very sad too and then walking back to campus and there was just people just crying on the sidewalk and then some random guy just hugged me and said it's gonna be okay like which also tells you by the way a majority just white Portlanders really sad about the election who are ostensibly like if you lived in the northwest or really most of the west coast past three years how much really honestly has affected you personally from the Trump administration outside of psychological damage? Well, uh, they've, there's been ice raids and stuff in the city of Portland. Like, it hasn't been great. Like, sure, like, I'm if you're a for privileged... for the average liberal. Yeah, if you're a privileged white person living in Portland, honestly, probably not all that much. Maybe your tax bill was a little bit more expensive this last year, you know? I mean, what's wild to me, the irony is that the people who are the most lefty and hate Trump the most are the ones who are also least negatively affected by him. In general, it you, really depends on the demographic you're talking about. Black sure. women um, are like like consistently uh, poll after poll say that they uh, trust Trump the least compared to any other demographic. Well, I'm not saying trust. That's not what I said, Sophia. I said like for the leftiest regions and people, right? They're the ones who are less affected. So if you're in like a I don't know a, a purple state in the South, like I don't know, like Georgia or whatever, and yeah, you're a black woman over there and you vote Democrat. Yeah, no, I understand it. But if you're in, like, I don't know, Washington, Oregon, California, anywhere in New England, right? How much, really? Like, even though you're the left as it can get, have you been negatively affected by Trump? I don't know, but it's kind of ironic because the people who are going to be most affected, like, we're talking about the southern states on the border where there's, like, kids in cages and there's ice raids all the time or where, like, federal benefits are going to get cut. All those things are all in red or purple states, Mm-hmm. Again, the, the willingness part. the willingness to drink the Kool-Aid. It's fucking... I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I, I, I face this, like, four more years of Trump probably wouldn't hurt me personally, which is... That's a, that's a really sad thing to think about. Like, it would hurt my heart. I mean, it would hurt my heart. Like, psychologically, my f- faith in the American system and really just truth, justice, and the pursuit of happiness have fallen mm-hmm. apart. And also, my faith in internet and that, that memes are a force for good has also fallen through the roof. Mm-hmm. Fallen through the roof. Right. I mean, like, I remember back in the day when Pepe the Frog was seen as funny and nice as opposed to a symbol of white supremacy. So things have gotten dark. But when it comes to material, actual things that can measure, my life's fine. And that's the worst part. And I know there's tons of people who are suffering, but it becomes the kind of suffering akin to somebody suffered to make my goddamn iPhone. Like, it's it's far away. It's not, not in my district. And what can I do about it? 
Yeah, and that's not but good. that's where the psychological effect comes in. And again, and I hate to bring this up always, but climate change will come for us all. I, I know, Greta. I know. Hey, I will take that as a compliment. But she's a badass. <laughs> she is a badass, and oh, we I'm should probably we should probably consider wrap, wrapping up this episode here. Mm-hmm. That Greta's a badass. Memes have failed their purpose, and you know what's really great? To- uh, what? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm asking, like, what? And it's like with well, the question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna bring up that, uh, like, despite all of this, organically, before we started like looking into this for the podcast and stuff, I haven't been reached by any of Michael Bloomberg's memes. You're not in his target demo. Well, you I are not a Super Tuesday voter, Hannah. I haven't gotten any of his memes either. No, actually. your organ does not vote on Super Tuesday. Oh. So it's almost like they're targeted. <laughs> yeah. They're going mostly for middle-aged white people living in urban centers and the suburbs who normally would have voted for Joe Biden, but seeing that Joe Biden is no longer a viable candidate are, you know, trying to make trying to make it happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell. they're like we're going to we're going to replace one septuagenarian white man with another septuagenarian white man. Meanwhile, the other uh, millennials like a different septuagenarian white man. Yep. Really, the seventies are in these days, you know. And if you're a if you're a white if you're a white young liberal who doesn't like a septuagenarian man, you like a white septuagenarian woman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. With that, I think that brings things to a close. That's a good button to end on. Um, thanks, folks, for joining us again. While we got a little bit too tipsy talking about memes. Um, as always, you can find us on arbiter.org and stream us on whatever streaming site you like. Probably like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever. Um, we'll be around again in another two weeks. We actually have a schedule these days. And we're going to get drunk again with you all. So, great for having you. Thank you, as always, to our producer, Steph, for uh, dealing with our antics. And we'll uh, see you in a fortnight. Bye. Bye.